This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me as always. Really excited to be joined by special guests today. It is Mr. Mike Clay of ESPN. Mike, welcome back to the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. Yeah, you got it. Uh, It's been a while, so good to hop back on and talk some football. Yeah, absolutely. I love bringing you on every year around the summertime just to kind of pick your brain a little bit about the the upcoming rookies, you know, as they get ready to start off their, you know, their rookie season, you know, training camps, you know, set to kick off in about a month or so. So let's jump right into it. When you do your rookie rankings, when you intertwine them into your dynasty ranks, maybe just give a little refresher on how much is, how do you take into account college production slash film draft capital current depth chart how do you kind of look at how do you kind of intertwine all of them to kind of produce your rankings in terms of how you look at these guys yeah uh the answer is yes all of those things (laughs) right so um just like you you know i spend you know a lot of time in the off season studying these guys even before the draft and uh, having rankings set up having good scouting reports Uh, you know obviously i'm tracking uh things that we learn about them at the combine but things as simple as uh you know their, you know, their height, their weight, their age, uh, obviously is a, a factor. Um, and not just looking at, you know, how good they were at college, but how they were utilized. Some things like scramble rate, you know, uh, is something that we didn't always have access to that we could look at now and, and get a better pick, feel for, you know, if a guy's going to run the ball a lot uh, at the at the collegiate level, you know, like uh, CJ Stroud being an example of a guy who barely scrambled or, you know, uh, Bryce Young kind of had an average scra- uh, scramble rate at the college level. So um, it's a lot of things like that. It's not just efficiency at that level in production. It's also utilization and what style of player they are. Um, And then we kind of, you know, uh, look at, you know, we learn a lot from the draft, obviously what the NFL thinks of these players is super important. That's the most important thing actually, in terms of correlating success uh, at the NFL level. So, so that's, you know, obviously I'm going to adjust for that uh, a bit as well. Um, once I, once I process the results and find out which team they're on, you know, and, and, you know, just to kind of cap that up with your other question, which is depth chart, you know, uh, you know, it depends. I mean, dynasty, not really worried about it. Um, unless it's like a, an extreme situation, right? Like Zach Charbonnet is a guy who we might be, you know, if you went to Cincinnati and they cut Joe Mixon, we we might be talking about him as a top 12 dynasty running back and, and season long as an RB two right out of the gate, but instead he goes to Seattle and it's not just that Ken Walker third is there. It's that Ken Walker, the third is there for at least three more years, right? He was a second round pick last year. So these guys are going to be tied to each other here uh, for the next few seasons. And it's going to limit his upside. Whereas, you know, it would have been drastically different uh, elsewhere, but otherwise, you know, from a dynasty perspective, landing spots, not quite as important short term, obviously a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, let me bring in the quarterback discussion for a second. The consensus, not for everyone, but the consensus is most people have Anthony Richardson as their top rookie quarterback, whether it be redraft, dynasty, big picture, rookie drafts have still people haven't had them yet and they have them later in the summer. Uh, from your rankings, it looks like you are a little bit of a different than what, what has been out there. Is you having Bryce Young over Anthony Richardson? Is it a little bit of the concern of what Anthony Richardson was the player in college and maybe not overhyping the athleticism and rushing ability that have so many people, uh, you know, eagerly excited about Richardson's skill set and maybe pushing them even further up ranks? 
Yeah, so, um, you know, I think that uh, Bryce Young might max out as like a, maybe an average contributor as a, a rusher, right? And and obviously that's the, the big deal here is, right, what they're going to add uh, in terms of their legs. And that's why Anthony Richardson is such a high ceiling because there's all these concerns about his passing efficiency. But, you know, he could be a below average passer and still be a really good fantasy quarterback. So, the, yeah, I, I'm weighing both of those things. I'm, I'm, I think Young and Carolina agrees is more likely to be a long-term good NFL starting quarterback. I think a lot of people, a lot of teams had Young uh, and probably Stroud ahead of Richardson on their board. Uh, and so that's a factor. You know, I thought going into the process, Young was the best fantasy prospect uh, quarterback in this class. And I think that, you know, you can make a case that Stroud is right there at two. Um, and then Richardson's there, but I mean, again, I think if you if you weigh all of the things we just talked about, and one of those things is bust rate, you know, the possibility of being a bust. Um, I think that Richardson's is, is substantially higher, right? I just think Young has a a better chance of being a solid, good starting quarterback that with a, an effective passer. So that's why I gave him uh, the edge, and I stuck with it through uh, even after the draft. But uh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, you know, Richardson's ceiling is just enormous because of you know, his, his skill set and what he brings to the table as, uh, you know, with his legs. Yeah, absolutely. So it's going to be interesting because I think Bryce Young is the one, obviously the mental processing is where Young really shines. And you've already heard whispers about, you know, how good he's looked in, in that regard. You know, some of the stuff that's came out there. If we take this over to the running backs, it's a weird kind of running back class, right? We know we have B. John and Jameer Gibbs at the top. I don't think a lot of discussion is really needed with those two. But if we take it to that next group of guys, you mentioned Charbonnet before, and right, the landing spot kind of hurts his overall value. But after, after B. John, Jameer Gibbs, and and Zach Charbonnet, can you talk maybe a little bit about that next group of guys? Because overall, I see, I think you're a little bit more on the conservative approach in terms of having more of the wide receivers ranked higher than them. And I, mm-hmm. I'm right there with you in lockstep. Uh, I prefer those some of those day two wide receivers over the day two running backs. But some thoughts maybe on Ty J Spears. Uh, you know, Roshan Johnson was even the beginning of day right. three. Tank Bigsby and that kind of group of running backs. Yeah, I'm actually glad you asked this question because I loved in the pre-draft process a lot of guys in this area. Spears, Kendra Miller went to New Orleans, and Roshan Johnson were three of my three guys that stuck out as being really high efficiency uh, players. And I said before it's not all about efficiency, but uh, you know, two stats that have helped me a lot in dynasty drafts over the years have been you know uh, yards after contact and forced missed tackles, and you know those sort of efficiency metrics are becoming more commonplace now but they weren't in the past and that's where you could find gems like a, a Kareem Hunt or a, you know sleepers like Chris Carson and Jordan Howard I think Chris Carson maybe uh, and Howard probably two of my better calls all time in terms of uh you know rookie rookie flyers uh, and those were guys that were not high pedigree you know day 3 draft picks so um those are the kind of things I'm looking at and um, that applies here. Another bear, actually, following the Jordan Howard lead with Rashawn Johnson. I think he's really interesting, good size, and we'll see uh, if how how he carves things out as a, a pass catcher in the pros. But um, is a good pass blocker, and that Bears depth chart really wide open, right? With Deontay Foreman, uh, Khalil Herbert. You know, they bring in Travis Homer, who's more of a special teamer slash receiving specialist. So um, a lot of names, but. No clear number one, so we'll see if Johnson gets a shot there. Kendry Miller, obviously, similar dynamic with Alvin Kamara potentially facing suspension. He's an opportunity to to uh, earn a big early season role. Uh, intriguing player for sure. And Spears, he was like my favorite running back in the class. I know there's you know some injury concerns about him long term. How's his knee going to hold up? But uh, from an efficiency standpoint, the guy was the guy was just. The, I mean, he's the best profile. Looking at Yak and Force Miss Tucker, he is the best profile in this class. And yes, that includes some fellow named. 
Bijan Robinson. So I'm um, super, super pumped for Spears. He's going to sit and learn a little bit behind Derrick Henry. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see him as a lead back at some point. And one name there I want to bring up also is Devin A-Chain. When you look at a guy like Devin A-Chain, when you put him in your ranks, do you listen to the rumors like of the Dalvin Cook stuff? Like, does that take it? Does, does that come into the picture at all when you're ranking him right now? Or is that just if it happens, I adjust after the fact and his ranking is more just based on maybe concerns about his size, his frame, his workload, mm-hmm. you know, uh, situation? Yeah, you said it. Uh, I actually don't want Dalvin Cook to go there because I want people to keep reaching on A-Chain in drafts because then that's, you know, guys that I actually like I'll get in drafts because I don't want him. Um, I don't understand uh, the appeal. I don't know why he's going so early. The guy's 5'8", 188. He's super fast. He's explosive. He's going to make some big plays. Um, But I don't see him ever being a guy you feel great starting as an RB1 or RB2. He's just not a, you know, maybe has like that sort of Naheem Hines, J.D. McKissick sort sort of like flex value as a like a situational player that hits for the big play here or there, maybe that's it. But I, I don't see a guy that's his size having much of a ceiling in fantasy. I, I don't I don't get it. Um, so again, I like it for Miami. I think it's a nice addition to that backfield to add that explosive uh, nature, and that's going to help them out. But we see players like that across the league that are not fantasy relevant. So uh, I just don't get it at that size. I don't understand his ADP. And uh, when I'm doing, I've done a bunch of rookie drafts, obviously. Uh, so far and uh, anytime he comes off the board uh way earlier than he should i'm happy about that yeah i mean it's gonna be interesting to kind of see how that that backfield uh plays itself out let's turn to the pass catchers a little bit i want to start with the tight ends because i do think looking at your ranks uh you know, obviously four guys taken relatively high, and it looks like you're even a fan of uh, luke shoemaker as well there with dallas you know most people you know most people have kincaid as their number one guy i think then it opens up a little bit for debate uh, most rankings out there have Laporte at number two. Looking at your rankings, you kind of have Michael Mayer almost like it looks like almost like in a tier of his own before like a little separation down to Musgrave and Laporta. Is that situational in terms of where he went for Michael Mayer? Is it college production? What is it that maybe has you a little bit higher on Michael Mayer than a guy like Sam Laporta and Luke Musgrave? Yeah, uh, there's a little pedigree there. I mean, Mayer was the consensus number one tight end pretty much across the board going into the draft process. I know there were. I, I shouldn't say that. I guess it was it was pretty close, right? You know, Mayer was uh, for more so the number one uh, tight end by by most groups, but I guess some people kind of jumped on the the Kincaid bandwagon. I know PFF was really high on him, but uh, Mayer pretty much the consensus one, and there's a reason for that, right? I mean, the guy was absurdly productive at the at the college level. His target share and usage was just massive uh, it, throughout his entire career, so. I think he has a pretty high floor as a receiver uh, in the NFL. Uh, you know, it's obviously his pass catching role, and that's going to keep him in that tight end one conversation. So I feel really good about him. You know, Kincaid, um, I, I, I actually had, had Mayer ahead of Kincaid pre-draft. I bumped Kincaid up because of chasing the pedigree there. He went in the first round. I'm not going to ignore that. He obviously uh, is a terrific receiver and is, is massive fantasy upside. So I have Kincaid won. Yeah, Mayer, just like him a lot. I think he's a better prospect than Laporta. And, you know, they were drafted close enough to each other that, Pedigree is not a big deal here, so I'm going to go with the guy I like. And the landing spots are both good, you know, like Austin Hooper's there in, in Vegas, but that's not a guy you're too scared of, uh, especially long-term. Laporta, fine. You know, I like, again, we'll, we'll see. I mean, year one's not really the breakout age for tight ends, so I'm, we're just going to kind of play it out, see how they do in their first year, and then kind of try to buy low on these guys uh, heading into their second season. Yeah, and w- one more follow-up with Luke Musgrave. Is it a situation where – 
when a team takes two guys on day two at the same position, is that make it a little bit more challenging to, to kind of project? Like, is it simply as they took him higher? So you, we, we think that that's going to be the way it goes or, you know, or it, does it lead to the college production? Right. So it was a unique circumstance that you don't usually see every once in a while. We've seen a team like Hayden Hurst, uh, Baltimore took Hayden Hurst and then Mark Andrews. We've seen the Patriots double dip a little bit of tight end in the same draft class. So that was a little bit of an unusual move there by Green Bay. Does, does that impact where you have Musgrave and what you think of him that they also drafted Tucker Craft on day two? Yeah, definitely. Um, and Baltimore, by the way, famous for that. They did that with Ed Dixon and Dennis Pitta as well. They like to go they, to, to go all in on the tight end position in, in the same draft. So uh, the Packers kind of following that lead. And yeah, it does make it tough. It's, you know, if, if uh, Kraft, actually speaking of, uh, you mentioned Andrews, you know, I actually liked him more than Hurst. He was drafted after Hurst, and uh, I thought he was the better pass-catching prospect, and, and that actually worked out. So uh, I say that not to pat myself on the back, but because if you prefer Kraft, then, you know, fade Musgrave and go Kraft, right? Because it could certainly work out that way. So um, I liked Musgrave more pre-draft, so that's why I have him a few spots ahead. But, yeah, I'm a little nervous having him at four. The, the thing is, the reason he's not lower is because the other guys have similar concerns. Like Shoemaker – I don't think he's quite as good of a pass catching prospect, but you know, I've seen like, you know, Dawson Knox comps, you know, he's a little older. Um, there's at least something there, you know, he, he was drafted in the second round. Obviously Dallas thinks he's going to be their starting tight end for a long time, with that sort of pedigree. So he's close, but like Darnell Washington's he's attached to Pat Fryermuth now for years. Right. We just talked about craft at Brenton strange. I don't know if he's ever going to be much of a pass catcher. Uh, Evan Ingram's there in the short term, Cameron Latou in San Francisco is behind George Kittle. You know, so there's no one else really to jump sort of ahead of Musgrave, but yeah, no doubt about it. I don't, I don't feel super pumped drafting him uh, as much as I would some of these other guys who don't have as much young competition. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Let's spin this over to the wide receivers. A couple questions here to round it out. Uh, I think Jackson Smith in the Jigbet number one is pretty self-explanatory. I think a lot of people have ranked the next three, the other first round wide receivers, Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers, and Quinton Johnston. You know, I think I think a lot of people can make a strong argument in any way, shape, or form in terms of who you like the most and how you rank those guys. I see Quinton Johnston's atop of that trio. Maybe a little uh some quick thoughts on why you prefer maybe Johnson slightly compared to Addison and Zay. Is it simple as size? Is it, is it the quarterback pairing? Uh what is it that you like Johnson over the other two a little bit more? Yeah, size is nice for sure. Love the love the wingspan. Love the the fact that he could be uh you know play all over the fields, be a perimeter option, not just a you know a slot guy necessarily, or a you know undersized guy that could limit certain things. Um, you know, I think these are pretty well rounded players. But you know, being six two two oh eight versus five eleven one seventy, you know, has its has its benefits. So also he was the second receiver picked. You know, I think that tells us a little bit about what the league thinks of uh, of, of uh, Johnston versus Addison and Flowers. Not a lot, obviously, it was really close, but. Um, honestly, I mean, look, I could have kept Johnson one, like I have no problem if you want to go Johnson ahead of Smith and Jigba, right? I think he's a terrific prospect. Uh, I know a lot of platforms had him number one as well. Um, really good at the combine crush the vertical and the broad, right? There's really a lot to like about him. So different types of players. It's really that similar. I just think, uh, Johnson's a slightly better prospect, but look, these guys were, uh, you know, you just never see this happen, right? picked four consecutive picks, all four of these receivers. Um, the one the warning I would give, though, is that, you know, last year I thought that the first-round receivers and the rookie receivers altogether were undervalued. You know, they were just so easy to get in drafts, and I didn't understand it because early first-round receivers generally get a big target shares and they're super productive. So guys like Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and Drake London, who had his ups and downs, but it was, was fantasy relevant. Like, 
those guys were undervalued. And then this year, it's like the it's the opposite, right? These guys were picked in the twenties in the first round, and their ADPs are ridiculous. Especially Smith and Jigba, who's going ahead of uh, Tyler Lockett in underdog drafts. And I just don't understand, it, especially if you look at the success rate in year one of receivers drafted in the second half of the first round, it's not that good. You know, there's Justin Jefferson, sure, but most of the guys weren't that good. There's just not that many top 20 or 30, top 35 receivers in year one from that area of the draft. So uh, that's the only warning I would give. But, you know, long term, I do uh, like all these guys. Yeah, and all of these guys, you could, you know, you can poke holes in in each of their spots, especially like you said for year one. Like I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm stunned that Smith and Jigba's redraft value is where it is. I love them long term, but I mean, same thing. Quinton Johnson behind Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, Jordan Addison. You can make the case it's probably Justin Jefferson and Hawkinson in terms of target opportunity year one. You know, Zay Flowers. You know, we got to see Baltimore. I think they're going to be a different type of pass offense this year, but I think it's going to be one of those things until yeah. we see it, we're not ready to believe it. What's Beckham's situation going to look like? I feel like Rashad Batesman on the outs, but maybe, who knows, maybe he's got a bounce back year in him there, and maybe that's not the case. I think one of the more fascinating things about the wide receiver rookies this year is the day two guys. Because like I'm looking at your rankings here, and this is the same for all people's rankings, right? From number seven on your rankings to like 23, there is day two wide receivers all over the place, right? In all different spots. And I, I feel like it was one of the harder things to kind of rank and put where to rank these day two wide receivers and where to mix in some tight ends and some running backs. So I, I see for you, Rishi Rice, Marvin Mims, and Jaden Reed kind of started that day two run of, of wide receivers. What is it about that trio, Rishi Rice, Marvin Mims, and Jaden Reed that, that make you a little bit more intrigued with those guys than some of the other day two guys? Yeah, a little bit of chasing pedigree there, right? I mean, a second round pick on a wide receiver is pretty notable. And usually that's a sign these guys are going to get a real opportunity to be, uh, you know, have a significant role, perhaps right out of the gate. You know, Rice obviously has that in a really good Chiefs offense and that kind of pushed him to the top. Love that landing spot, like the player. Uh, Mims is interesting, right? Uh, when he was drafted, I immediately thought, man, maybe they're, maybe they're, um, you know, not really telling the whole truth and they actually are going to trade someone like a, a Sutton or a Judy, but because they have Tim Patrick there as well, it's like, there's a lot of mouths to feed. So that one, I don't love short term, but I think he's a really good player. So, uh, you know, good speed as well. So, um, you know, he's interesting uh, long-term, you know, probably just gonna be a situational player this year and Jaden Reed. I mean, as far as, and actually I'll throw Jonathan Mingo here as well. I mean, these are guys that could potentially be their number two dare I say, number one receiver at some point on their team this year. Uh, I like Christian Watson a lot, but, you know, he's not – we don't know for sure on him. He's played a half a season uh, as a full-time player. We'll see how good Reed is. And then Mingo, of course, Carolina's wide receiver room is wide open, right? Terrace Marshall, uh, Adam Thielen, and G.J. Shark, you know, that's that's a, a job that's for the taking. So if any of these guys are legit, they're going to claim uh, a pretty substantial role. And that especially applies to Rice, Reed, and Mingo – uh, just based on the depth chart that they they landed in. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Like, I, I, I'm i a big fan of Jaden Reed. I, I love Marvin Mims pre-draft. Like, you know, some of these guys are, you know, going to be thrust into a situation and we'll see who can run with it, you know, and, and who maybe struggles a little bit out of the gates. Last question tonight from those other day two wide receivers. I think most of the ones I'm looking at here on your list, they were round three guys. So we're talking Josh Down, Cedric Tillman, uh, Tank Dell, and, and Jalen Hyatt. Is there one of that, group of four there that maybe intrigues you the most uh, long-term in terms of ceiling or upside? Yeah. I mean, I, you mentioned Hyatt. I have him highest, uh, you know, of that group. I think that uh, someone, I want to say Lance Zerline, I want to say, I think maybe had him number one 
of all his, uh, yeah, Lance is great. Um, of all his receivers ahead of Smith and Jigba in the first rounders, like he, he loved him and, and that caught my eye for sure. Um, young player, uh, the, the Giants passing game is still a bit of a question mark. You know, we, it's the Giants are dead last in passing touchdowns over the last three seasons. You know, perhaps some upgrades they made with Darren Waller and some healthier receivers and, and hide in the mix. Maybe they turn the corner this season, but we don't know. Like, who's the real Daniel Jones? Is this a guy that, you know, can throw 25 to 30 touchdowns or is he going to stay in the teens like he has the last few seasons? So uh, that makes it a little tricky. And also it makes it tricky because he could play, you know, his range of outcomes really for our, a lot of these Giants receivers is is massive, right? I mean, Hyatt, I mean, when you think about who else is there, right? Darius Slayton. Um, and they brought in Paris Campbell this year and, you know, they've Sterling Shepard and Wandell Robinson coming off major injury. And out of nowhere last year, we saw Isaiah Hodgins, uh, make a, make an impact. I don't even know. Did I say Darius Slayton? He's there. Jameson Crowder, <laughs> they signed. We'll see if he makes the team. So, you know, Hyatt, if he's, if he's legit, right? Like he's a player that's going to pan out and be an NFL starter. He could be their number one receiver within the first month of the season, right? The, like the cream rises, he'll be there. But also, he's 21, right? If he needs a little bit of development, it's possible he's a healthy scratch or just barely sees the field. You know, he's a third-round pick. It's not like he's a first-rounder. So that makes him a little bit tricky to sort out, but it is it is appealing. He's an appealing prospect, obviously. He was a day-two pick, and that depth chart being wide open is a, is a very interesting wild card. Yeah, and we always, you know, you even mentioned before, right, the – there's been a lot of success of, of round two running uh, wide receivers taken. And it's one of those things now with all these great videos that come out from the teams in terms of like draft room coverage, like there's a lot of videos out there showing that the Giants were either taking John Michael Schmidt in round two or Jalen Hyatt. When the Bears traded up, they thought they lost John. They thought they were taking John Michael Schmidt and then they were taking Jalen Hyatt. And I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but pick 59 compared to like the third round, there's enough of a difference where it's like, okay, they were willing to take him as high as round two. And they started, they, they had him targeted when day two started. So it's like, yeah, they think very highly of him, you know, and, and it, it sounds like it's a lot, but it, I think it does say something that they look at him. I think as a guy who can maybe rise, like you said, to the top and, and be there. Just how long does it take him to get there? So that'll be interesting to follow for sure. Mike, I always appreciate this. I, I know you're very busy with everything you got going on. So thank you so much. I'm sure most of my audience knows where to follow your work and where to follow you on Twitter, or maybe I should say where to follow you on threads, but yeah. uh, please <laughs> let the audience know, uh, you know, what you're working on. I, I always type up your projections. I think they're the best in the industry, uh, but anything else you want to share with the audience in terms of where to follow you, what you're working on over the summer as we gear up for the next NFL season. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if Threads uh, becomes a thing. But I am on there at Mike Clay NFL, same as Instagram and Twitter. Uh, same, you know, same old, same old. Just pumping out content, writing a lot. Um, I have a bunch of articles already filed that'll be coming in uh, over at ESPN.com. Of course, I have that sixty. Uh, what is it now? Ninety page PDF, something like that. With uh, I'm losing track. I keep adding things to it. I have all like the starting lineups in there and all that fun stuff. So. Um, that the PDF is, is routinely updated. Uh, and it, I haven't had to lately cause we're in the quiet, the rare quiet point in this season, but, um, yeah, that's, that's, uh, updated as well as everything else over at, uh, ESPN.com and, and our magazines out in newsstands here in a couple days. So uh, make sure you pick that up as well. Guys, make sure you're following Mike everywhere. Make sure you're following out all his great work, using his projections and all of his great insight. So on behalf of Mike, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano and myself, Thank you for joining us, and we look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.